is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Do I have another WWE Hall of Famer on the show? You better freaking believe that I do. Um, She is a close personal friend of mine. None other than Lita. It's actually lead a week here on Oral Sessions. I really like the way that we've set this up while I'm on maternity leave to like have guests on, but then also just have them take over for the week. I get to have them on, then they get to come on and they get to do their own thing, whatever they want, which I love. It's been really fun for me. I really, really enjoy it. And hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Break it up a little bit. You know, you don't need to hear me all the time. It's nice to hear other people, hear some other interviews, hear other perspectives. But anyways, we'll get into to Lita's episode when she takes over. That is going to be dropping later in the week. But today, it is me and Lita, me and Amy Dumas. You never know if I should call people by their, their work name or their shoot name, brother. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got Lita on the show. We talk, uh, yeah, just all things Lita about her fascinating career, about who she is as a person, what makes her tick. This woman has many, many layers. She's an absolute badass. She's someone that you just like enjoy spending time with. I think like you walk away feeling like, You've learned more about uh, the universe when you spend time with Amy. She's the best. Um, so let's just get into it. Here she is, Amy Dumas. Coming into this, I was like, wait, because I obviously never call you Lita. And I was like, am I supposed to do that here? What do you prefer for these kind of situations? I think that at this point... I've been Lita my entire adult life. And as much as it took me a minute to even respond to it, you know, when I was just, the name was just bestowed upon me and they would be calling my name down the hall. And then I'd be like, Oh, me. Yeah. But now it's been my whole adult life. So Amy and Lita almost sound, they just sound like you're saying the same thing to me at this point. (laughs) Respond to all. Um, I always remember doing kickoff panels with you. And I remember calling you Amy on air one time and I was like, Oh no, I've done it. That's like the quintessential error of like, Oh shit. Panic backpedal. I mean, who are you? What? Wait, what did I say? Me? It's funny that you feel like you've said something taboo where it's just like, it's your name. Although it would be weird if you were w- watching Friends and somebody was like, so Jen, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. took me out, took me out of the moment. I was there. Well done. Not. not what I needed. Um, It's very funny doing, like doing this show. I love doing this show. I love being able to interview people and just like hang out and shoot the shit for a bit. But it's always very funny. And I feel like I get in my head a lot when I'm interviewing like my friends. I'm like, what, what am I, what am I going to talk to her about? There's so many different things. I mean, whether we cover your career, we cover real life things. So who knows where this journey is going to take us? I feel the same. It was like just 15 minutes before we were going to get on. I was like, oh, it's like a, a thing. Like, I'm not just like, oh, I'm going to chat with Renee in 15 right. minutes. I was like, maybe a lash, maybe a lip. <laughs> I don't know. I did a lash too. I went for a lash today. It felt right. I noticed like you have to do less with a lash. That's the key. And also my eyelashes never actually stay up with mascara. So give a girl a lash and just call it a day. Um, Okay. Here's where I want to start talking about things. I would like to get into some alien conversations with you. Oh, shit. All right. (laughs) Where did your love of our little gray friends come from? Or green, depending on who you ask. Sure. I mean, they're usually just called like grays, aren't they? 
that's just one subset of potential alien culture. But uh, no, so I think that it originated in kitsch. Like I love kitsch culture. I like, like give me a roadside attraction. Give me a, like, we're in on this kind of um, campy, you know, like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Pee Wee's Playhouse, like sign me up. So I got into it from kitsch culture and like roadside Americana, but then every time I kind of, something interests me, I have to then know everything about it. So while that was my interest, I was like, well, why is this the universal icon? Like the big head, the big eyes, the kind of the the shape of the head smaller and like, where does, who decided that and everything and had to figure, you know, just, just research, just some leisure reading. So where do you stand on your beliefs of aliens? I more enjoy the possibility that something is out there and could be out there. And for me, that's just, it's fun. It doesn't feel scary. It doesn't feel crazy. It's a little scary. For me, it just feels fun. Like I, I'm like, kind of like uh, proven, but sharks, mm-hmm. sharks. I'm just like, I respect a shark. I, <laughs> I would, I would like to see one. Like uh, that sounds fun. When we were just talking about that, the time you and I, uh, obviously not just on this podcast, but in real life, having a conversation about the time that we were in Miami and we rented jet skis and we were in that brackish water, and I kept thinking of those like gigantic terror. I can't remember what kind of shark it is, but they were sharks that were living in the brackish water. And I could not stop thinking about that. Every time we jumped off the jet ski, I was like, this is it. This is going to be the moment that I get snatched up by one of those giant ass sharks. And that'll be it. Would you rather be abducted by an alien or not attacked because that's like a known fate, but like See one that maybe you don't know what's going to happen. Is he hungry? Is he not? Are you going to get back on your jet ski in time? Like, like see a shark in close proximity or be abducted by alien. I'm going to go aliens because it's a better story to tell. Assuming that I land back on earth and we'll see what kind of um, physical and what state I'm in, like what kind of psychological damage has been done to this point. If they kept your clothes or not. They can keep my clothes. I'm worried about where probes are going. Uh, I'm worried about what those memories are, but then also trying to convince people like, no, I'm not nuts. I was legit abducted by aliens. What are some of your alien sources? Because there's so many great movies. There's a bunch of great books. What are like some of your quintessential alien content reads, watches, listens? We actually, I think, started to watch. Was it Fire in the Sky? I'm not sure. Oh, we did. We did. Yeah. The guy that was abducted that the movie's based on, his name is Travis, not Barker, but that's the name that popped in my head. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, Travis somebody. But I interviewed him for one of my UFO shows and he kind of struggled with that. He was like, part of it's like, I want people to believe me. But then the other part is like, or... Option B is like, don't ask me about it at all. I'll just do my thing, live my life. You can believe or not, because I know what happened to me. Yeah. And, you know, because there was another, there was an alien book that I read. God, of course, now I'm going to draw a blank on it. I should have obviously looked this up before. Communion? Yes, it's communion. Scary, right? It's really scary because that guy is like, he is an educated man. He's an author with like a great backstory. Like he's, he's a legit man of the world. And he tells this story about being abducted in upstate New York with his, like his wife and his like family friends or like another couple or whatever. Like, I don't know how you can read that and not lean into it a little bit and be like, shit, man, 
This is a possibility. Well, and then that, okay. So then that begs the question of like, I mean, either way, if you were attacked by a shark or uh, abducted by aliens, that is going to be your defining moment. And like, but, but now you have to be like that girl that got abducted by aliens, you know, like you're, you're not, you're not you now. Now you're just like, oh, that girl that, that was like going on all the podcast circuit talking about her alien abduction. Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, because it's one thing like to have like a ghost story, but to have an alien story is another situation. I actually just recently saw um, Joe Rogan was posting about a new footage that I think it was the Navy had just released of the like triangle shaped. Did you see that? It was like off the coast of California somewhere. Yeah, I like that the the Pentagon just released the information like smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. They're like, well, you're fearing for your life and just <laughs> trying to maintain your community around you from not also dying. We we know there's aliens like it was just like, let's just slide that in there while there's government chaos amidst the pandemic. Expose everything. We're already down there. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's weed out the week. If you're already stressed and can't handle life. There you go. <laughs> Here's this. Um, I had a blast, though, the time that you and I went out to Area 51. We drove out there and we went to the like, what's the mailbox deal that we went to? Area of Area 51. Like, mind you, don't put us on any lists. We did not go into Area 51. <laughs> no, we weren't allowed in the thing. We just kind of like drove around it. We scoped out the, the scene. We went to the little alien, which is adorable. We got our alien jerky. And then the it's the black mailbox. So that's a, a meeting point for... Um, for ufologists so go meet me at the black mailbox because there's literally nothing around there and it's the only marker my favorite was so we went out there and it was maybe i don't know almost a year later i went out for my show and your picture you had left a picture for the aliens of you and john and it was there i don't think i ever told john that i did that because he'd probably be pissed and be like are you trying to get like he'd think i he'd think i was like conjuring them Trying to like send out the vibes of like, come get us next. See, I think there's like some conjuring involved with ghosts, but I don't know that there's conjuring involved with aliens. It's just like, it's just like you roll or you don't. Let's talk about the show that you were doing because you started doing a show and what you would like bop around to different, like, was it all alien based? So it's called the UFO show. But then... You know, as people are wanting to get more into the deep dive scientific and um, experience, I also wanted to lean into the kitsch of it. So we went we went to Roswell, like there's a there's a museum, there's but there's like gift shop after gift shop. It's just like I mean, I just approach it with like lightness and fun and retain a few facts along the way that that may lead to some late night deep dives later. (laughs) But yeah. my my primary interest is um, just like I'm on board. I'm on board with a parade. I'm on board with a costume. I'm on board with like an activity. So uh, that's like where my where I come from on that. It's hard for me because that's I mean, that is walking. It's not walking a fine line. It's kind of like protecting yourself from becoming a crazy person that just wants to be obsessed with the conspiracy theories and then being that guy. Uh, but it is fun to lean into that shit. Like, I love a good conspiracy theory. I love having those conversations about like, wait, did that really happen? 
It can drive you insane, though, because you there's not going to be proof or there is going to be so much proof, yet it's not widely agreed upon. So it's like, what do you do? It's like trying to decipher the news where it's like some people are giving you this information. Other people are giving you this. Which side do you sit on? Yeah. Is soy good for you? Does it make you grow boobs or is it like bad for you? You know, it's like for everything is like ginkgo biloba like good for you or does it make you lose your memory we don't really know there's going to be compelling arguments for both so it's like we just don't know anything is the bottom line we don't know anything because the news and information changes every 30 seconds um what are some other conspiracy theories that you enjoy i've taken a step back from them because it with our government and the last shit show of the four years like it was very mentally taxing that i was like i don't need to be thinking about other evil nefarious things that are possibly going on because right here on the surface, I have plenty to deal with and I'm not happy about it. So I don't need something else to be um, like, you could become a prepper before you know it. No, it's true. And I think, and I will say, I'm sure that there was a lot of people, I mean, honestly, myself included, that once the world kind of started to shut down, it's like, shit, I can't even buy flour if I wanted to make my own bread. I can't buy toilet paper. I can't get like things to clean my house. And you'd be like, oh my God, all these preppers are sitting back going, I told you so. I've been saying this this whole time that, I mean, yeah, we all kind of walked into that one. I will say the pandemic has changed me in a way that you know, my motto for the pandemic, which we're still in, by the way, a lot of people don't like to acknowledge that, but um, it was get through the day, keep me and my community and those around me safe like that, you know, and, and anything else I accomplish on top of that is a bonus. And so that was just my like a survival technique. Otherwise, it was just very overwhelming because it was so many things I never thought would happen or had given any thought to that were now undeniably in my face. Yeah. I mean, once that harsh reality kind of crumbled in on all of us, I think we've all lived this life of feeling like to a degree, just somewhat protected of like, there's no way that could happen this day and age. There's no way we're going to end up in a situation like we would never, it would never even cross our minds because we all live such, I mean, depend everyone from whatever skill you're living on lives like a certain amount of like luxury, especially in like America. Yes. There's like different scales of that, but you never think like, oh my God, an entire pandemic, people aren't going to have jobs. People are going to be sick and dying. And like, it's totally spiraled out of our control. On a much more luxurious level of somebody that's used to jet setting and being like, oh, that looks cool. I want to go there. I want to see that. I have this gig, you know, all over. And my routine was not to have a routine, but to be forced to like, all right, Groundhog Day, get up, go work out in the garden, make dinner, watch a movie, repeat. Were you doing other things during this past year to to kind of just like clear your head and put you in like a better mind space? My garden, girl, like I've never been a gardener because I've traveled. I'm like, it will die by the time I come back. Just no interest. I could appreciate nice plant, but just, uh, and so I just took over this community garden area and would spend like eight hours a day out there just and you know it's just there is something yeah it's like hippy dippy but just like touching the ground and touch like with the dirt with your hands and everything that that um it kind of is calming that and being at the ocean you know i would try to surf and the, the surfing has always been and being in or near the ocean has always been my like 
it's okay. You know, and, and just something's bigger than I am and I'm not in control here. And, you know, just kind of like zenning out is like watching the, watching the waves has always done that for me. I feel like the garden stuff, cause I'm going through a gardening phase right now. I feel like everyone kind of hits it at a certain point where you're like, I just want to plant some of my own shit, whether it's having like a herb garden or having some fresh tomatoes or just keeping a fucking daisy alive. But it's really hard to do in the desert as well. And I just found this really great shop in Las Vegas and I bought gardening cue cards because I kill everything. So I'm like, I need to do the research now so that my next trip will be more successful because it's been a disaster to this point. So this was like an already existing, just shambles of a garden, just like wild space. And so that was my technique was see what's thriving and help it thrive as opposed to like, I want this plant or I like the way this looks. It's like, yeah, again, I'm not in charge. Nature's in charge. And let me like work with what you got going on here. You know, those hot takes you post on social media. Well, now you can win up to five thousand dollars when you put those takes to the test on FanDuel. It's a new game called Over Under and it's absolutely free to play on FanDuel. So here's how it works. FanDuel will set lines on things like total points or three-pointers made during every NBA on TNT broadcast. All you have to do is pick over or under for every prop. Your picks could win you a share of $5,000 during every contest. FanDuel is the exclusive home for over under. And it's available in all 50 states. You can play from anywhere. All you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash over under and sign up now. If you've not done so already, please just do it. You're going to love it. Just create a new FanDuel account. If you don't already have one, it takes less than two minutes to sign up. Then you put your takes to the test during every NBA on TNT broadcast at fanduel.com slash over under. They could be worth up to 5,000 bucks. Do it. Age and location restrictions apply. See FanDuel.com for terms and conditions. How much of wrestling are you watching these days? Are you keeping eyes on things? I'll go in phases. Um, and I had a very hard time start of the pandemic when it was like soundstage wrestling. I was like, this is not, I, I can't do this. You know, um, I felt bad for people that I knew that were, you know, I don't know if they felt bad. They could have been perfectly fine to do it. But I was just like, I, I don't want, this doesn't for me. Like this isn't the craft that I, I love. Right. So that was really difficult. Then when they started doing the, you know, the, the virtual fans and then having some, some fans over at um, AEW and, and, you know, I would start to watch, but I will say it was more like in clips clips i would hear a match was good i would go watch that you know that one-off and that would be enough and then you always know like gearing up towards wrestlemania and as things have started to feel slightly more normal i am you know kind of checking back in a little more regularly and um going and watching and i can find myself i i mean i always enjoy it but i can tell when i need a break i just I just check out. You need a little like palate cleanser. I mean, I think I was for sure when I left WWE, I was like, I need to clear my mind. I need to step back from all of this, which is not easy when you're also married to a wrestler who's now not only watching AEW, but watching every other promotion in the entire fucking world, which is, you know, it's still different than the day in and day out of being at WWE and being, at, you know, Raw, SmackDown, whatever. But yeah, it's like giving yourself that little like mental cleanse. It is completely necessary. Yeah. I mean, I think the first time I did that was when I retired and I felt kind of guilty, but knew that that's what I, I needed at, at that time. And so now there's been enough 
time that I have, I know that I'm never going to not watch wrestling or not enjoy it, but there may be another time that I'm just like, nope, just not watching it right now. I'll hear about something and it will like kickstart me back into watching it. But um, yeah, it's just like take, and I say that to fans too, when they, then when they try to like bro down with you and just critique a show and I'm just like, and they expect me to be like, I know it's fucked that and this sucks and that. And I go, and I just usually respond, take a break. They want you to break it down frame by frame with them. And you're like, I'm just not there right now. It's not happening. To validate their point. I'm like, I felt the same way. And you know what I do? I take a break. It's not my show. I don't own it. I can't control this stuff. I, you know, like, and I would listen to you if I owned that company, but I don't. So take a break and you'll love it when you come back. I really noticed that even, um, you know, as my time was winding down at WWE and sort of feeling like I was, you know, burning the candle on both ends and just like, I got to go do something else. I was still working for WWE, but I went to Japan with John when he was doing Wrestle Kingdom. And I was like, oh, this is something completely different. And I really enjoy this. I enjoy what the show is. I enjoy what the fans bring to the table. Like it was that gave me a different perspective that made me just love wrestling from a different lens. I wasn't really watching it. And then I went to an indie show and then the indie, this was pre-pandemic, the indie show. And then they had AEW on, on the screen, like prior. And then that, and I was just like, like, you know, and and then that sparked, I was like, Oh, (laughs) remember you love wrestling. But it was like, you kind of had to step away from what, you know, that I'm just like, in, you know, the, the indie show, loving every second of it, watching another show that, you know, that wasn't the world I came from. So it just felt like a break. It, it felt fresh. It would be remiss for me to not ask you this because she was on the show. I had Britt Baker on the show, DMD. After she had her match with Thunder Rosa, I had her on that week and she was like, all I wanted was for Trish and Lita to watch my match. Like she was thinking that like from like the time, I, I think even from the time that she knew that they were going to be doing this hardcore style match. It it wasn't even the fact it was a hardcore match. It was the fact that they were the main event. And obviously you and Trish get that nod as a first woman to really be able to do that. Did you get eyes on this match? I did. Um, Not initially, but yeah, you know, like I said, I'll hear about something and I do care. So after I, you know, what if I, you know, we, it's like you hear about something and it slips your mind, but this kept coming back. And I was like, I need to watch this and not as a favor to Brit who who you say, but like, as I'm like, Oh, cool. Something cool happened. I didn't see it. I want to watch. Um, Holy shit. Right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) right. How insane. Insane. Yeah. I, I really, um, I mean, that was great that they got that spotlight, but I mean, just to talk about like, you just need a moment that brings you up from, a wrestler that people have heard about to like, just knock, knock your stock up. Just like, I mean, and, and, you know, I think Thunder Rosa won the match, but it was one of those that's like, it doesn't matter. They just tore the house down. And there there's also like, there's no counterpoint. There's no counter argument. Like that was an awesome match. Um, I mean, not to mention, or yes, actually to mention, um, <laughs> the crazy stuff they did. I mean, I saw the bag come out and I was like, man, for sure. There's thumbtacks in there. Like, <laughs> and, um, yeah, just like they, they fully went for it. Not, not for a gender or for a amount of time in the business. They went for it and delivered. It was crazy. 
Yeah, you couldn't help but be like pumped for them to be like, okay, you earned getting this spot. You earned getting that main event and you guys showed up and did the damn thing. Like, and it really was like a, a non-gender thing here of just like, oh, you guys were the main event and it, you guys were so impressive. I wish that I was there to see it in person. Cause even just to like see it and like see like Tony afterwards talking to them and knowing how nervous he was for them heading and being like, are we doing the right thing? Is this going to be okay? And, and it was, yeah, they, they pulled it all off. So kudos I to them. I know that from being involved in ringside at so many TLC matches and hardcore being so nervous, but from like for them. Right. Right. Like the, from the people that are about to be in the match where I'm like, Oh my God, I hope, like I'm really stoked to be standing here ringside, but I'm also really ner- like, I'm going to be more stoked when we're on the back on the other side of the curtain and everyone's like walking out of there. Which ones stick out for you for that of being ringside being like fucking a hope and a prayer. Let's just get through this. The TLC matches mainly uh, there was like at, um, it was at WrestleMania in Texas. Uh, it was the Hardys versus the Dudleys versus Edge Christian. And it was me, Spike Dudley and Rhino. And uh, so that one, um, definitely the match that I just did an untold episode with Edge versus Mick. And they they had a hardcore match. They had the bag of thumbtacks as well and uh, flaming tables and barbed wire and just stuff that I was like, this is going to be awesome, but I just want you like to be okay. <laughs> you know? And so, so, I mean, it would be hard listening to them talk about these things and to not have your inner, like real person that cares about them as humans, like come out, like, wait, wait, are you sure? Like, sweetie, are you, that, that's yeah. gonna, it's gonna hurt. You know, like, it's hard to like, just quell that, that voice. You can't like, compartmentalize those different things. Cause like I get like that with John when he has some of his matches and I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me right now. And to be like watching them. And as much as I can just put blind faith and being like, well, he's a professional. He knows what he's doing. It's going to be fine to actually watching it being like, did you lie to me all <laughs> week? Cause this looks insane. It's really hard to, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't change your relationship with the person when they're in the match and just be like, I was just smoking mirrors. No, it's not. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was usually Jeff that I would knew knew would usually have the craziest bump in each of the matches that once, once whatever I deemed, and I know that we all get hurt usually doing like the dumbest thing or the, like you just turn the wrong way. And you know, it's like something that you've done a million times when you'll actually somehow get injured. But, um, whenever what I deemed the biggest or scariest bump of the match was over like that, I could feel like I could take a breath. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're talking Jeff Hardy, like good God, absolute psychopath. Um, so, okay. So talking about, I mean, looking back at some of those matches and through your career in WWE, one thing that I always find like interesting that, that was just a, a point, I guess, during your career was the shit that you got, from like your relationships throughout WWE. How was that being in the thick of that stuff and like the reactions that you were getting? Or, or how is that? Like, it's still talked about, um, you know, and my relationships are commented on, on a regular basis, like on my Instagram still, you know, or social media. But meanwhile, all of the men involved, you know, like, and I mean, even like any, anything not controversial, like with being with punk or, or edge or, um, Matt, it's like, 
I guarantee you they don't get asked about it. You know, like I know they don't get asked about it because um, they're dudes and they, you know, like it's that double standard thing. And I think that's at this point, the problem, like, like what I, what, like what I hold on onto, which with feeling like the double standard, but I'll tell you, it was not easy. I mean, I mean, for sure. I almost quit amongst the whole love triangle angle, but I mean, but at that point, not only was it so hard, it was also like out of shame. Like I wasn't proud of the way I conducted myself. And yes, if I had to do it over again, I absolutely would have handled myself different, but I didn't. And so I was very much like make the bed, you lie in it, you know? And so I, and, and, and at that point I was kind of just like, I deserve all of these terrible things that everybody's saying to me. I deserve like not wanting to wake up every morning. I just, I just like, you know, and so that was, that was really difficult. And it was really difficult to um, also as time passed, like let myself off the hook and being like, in the only way you can move forward with your life. Sure. You, you learn from your mistakes and you keep going, but like, you have to forgive yourself. Well, it's also like, fuck. I mean, did anything that bad? Like, yeah, it's a shitty thing, but like everyone relax a little bit. There's a lot worse things that happen and have happened and continue to happen. Um, But yeah, it's like, do you think that you would get that same flack today if that was the case? Or would it be worse because of social media? I don't know. I mean, so it's interesting because obviously it's like, with age comes wisdom. So it's like, well, it's hard to hypothesize because that just wouldn't happen. Like, you know, like I, I've just like, I have a better skill set to communicate and navigate my day to day, but that happened to me. And there was very limited social media at that point. So I could only imagine in that current day and age with social media, but then now as I think that I would have more, I think I would have some people at least, um, taking my side. Whereas I just felt like literally everyone was against me. Um, and I felt very alone and isolated and just just in a really bad place. Also during a time like that, all that anyone is getting is the narrative that is being Mm -hmm. told on television. So you had no platform and no voice to be like, Hey, here's what really happened. Or here's my side of the story where like, yeah, they just deal with what was projected to them, which was this like fucking juicy story on TV that was just so intricately woven into what was actually happening in your in your personal life. But like you got fed to the wolves. Yeah. And and uh, so Adam and I had talked at the time. We were just like, because we can't unequivocally deny a 100 percent of what's being put out there. I And I was was not happy with how I conducted myself. I did, I didn't want to like act like I was justifying my actions or trying to make excuses. So, um, I, we both just chose to be like, you know what, like, we'll just let it run its course. We'll, we'll, we will just conduct ourselves with grace, especially because at that point, Matt was choosing to really take to the internet and get the the fans behind him. So we were just choosing you know what, we're just going to like, he can act that way. We're going to, we're going to stay quiet. And I don't know if that was the best way. Like, I don't even know what would have been the best way, like given the fallout, like how, how else would I have done that? You know, we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. Um, but I, cause I, it came up not all that long ago when you were talking about on your Twitch stream, 
about just the shit that you went through and talking about that, the, you know, the infamous sex scene of you and edge on, on raw and just what that whole process we, do you want to talk about this or not? I mean, I really, cause I don't, I don't it doesn't need to be like headline bullshit. Well, yeah, I don't, and it's that's up to what you. It, what's what happened is it became headline stuff. At, and I, I looked at Twitch always as my clubhouse, you know, and, and, and also I, I never like breaking any stories there. I had talked about, that I was not cool with doing that. Like I've talked about that since 05, you know, and it just never made any headlines. But now since we've fortunately evolved as a climate and society, it was like shocking, uh, just not, not that long ago, but, but yeah, my, my story's never changed. It's so funny to like, kind of look back now too, to be like, okay, in that situation of like what you had to go through and like the narrative that was being spun about you being like the female involved in that. It's like, I, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, would it be the same today now that women have more merit and more of a platform to kind of stand on to be like, uh, it takes fucking two to tango first of all, but to just pin it on you like that and not be able to have a platform to actually tell your own story. But anyways, fuck it. It's in the past. Who cares? You own a place in Nicaragua. Let's talk about that. I want to talk about just like your life outside of wrestling too. I mean, we obviously talked about the aliens and we talked about the Kens and we talked about traveling and, and bopping around and all that. Um, but you have done a very good job of setting yourself up like financially. You've done a really good job of just like you have properties that you've invested in and that is a great means of income for you. I mean, how who kind of taught you the ropes on how to figure that shit out? I've done a lot of trial and error and, and I've done a lot of in my life, like what's the worst that could happen, you know? And, and, um, so with that, um, my place in Nicaragua, I, when I knew I was going to retire, I was trying to set myself up financially and, and have some passive income moving forward. Um, not knowing what my future was going to hold and wanting to not know what my future was going to hold. I didn't want to have to like hustle for a job after retiring. And so yeah, I just was looking at all of my finances, seeing what was making the most income and how that was going. And um, like a property that I still had in North Carolina was what like dollar for dollar was making the most sense. And I was like, okay, but I don't care if I ever go there. So I don't want to just have an invest, just like I don't want a job to be a paycheck. I didn't want a, an investment just to be a dollar for dollar. I was like, I'd love an investment that I could enjoy as well. Because the 08, mm. I had some conservative um, investments, but they weren't so conservative when the market crashed. And I was like, wait a minute, like, let me, um, these were just numbers on a, um, you know, you like log into your account and see a number. I was like, I, and now that number is drastically different. I was like, I want something I can touch. I want something I can enrich my life by. I want something I can learn from. Um, and that way, if that goes away, I still was, I still learned, I still enriched myself. I still had these life experiences. And so that was my, um, the impetus for, for buying my, buy, buying a place down in Nicaragua, but, you know, integrating into the community, having these trips down there, going on this like wild scavenger hunt, um, keeping my Spanish, uh, language up and, um, you know, just kind of having new life experiences. And I, and I've always said that, you know, I'm sure I would love if that could be a, you know, could sell that for a profit one day, but if it's also leveled in a, if that's leveled in a earthquake, I still, I still like my experiences and what I've gained from having done that is invaluable to me. 
Why was Nicaragua the choice for you? Uh, it was more just looking at, uh, well, I wanted Spanish language. I wanted where it didn't take forever to get to because I, I wanted to be able to go pretty often. And then, um, and I wanted where you could own outright as opposed to a lot of countries will have like leases or if you're a foreigner, there's a lot of contingencies on ownership. So I just had to do research on that. And because Costa Rica has such success when they opened their properties up to foreigners, Costa Rica adopted all of their laws, you know, and uh, made it pretty easy for a foreigner to, to set up shop down there. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in-play, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use, and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA in-play is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA in-play today. How did you become Machete Girl? Do you know this? Is that why you asked it? I like, I I know you've told me a while ago, but I remember it being like a pretty interesting story. It's pretty wild, Wes. I started, I was only like Twitter was kind of big when I was, um, you know, when I bought my place, but then Instagram had just started more and I just needed, I think I was probably getting some hate or some negativity. I was like, you know what? I just need to check out of, of Twitter for a bit, but I'm down here in Nicaragua and I'm taking all these cool pictures and, and I want someone to see it or, you know, and it's wild West down there. You can kind of do whatever you want. Like just have a machete hanging from your hip. And I wasn't personally using it to like chop down brush and fields as which, you know, people are, are doing there for their actual job, but I would use it and I would go on some, um, un, unforged, um, trails when I would go hiking and stuff. And you could just like walk into a restaurant and no one's gonna be like, um, oh, ma'am, you need to put your machete away. <laughs> so yeah, I just would keep my machete, like full size machete, just like hanging from my hip like, so I was like the white girl with a machete and a dog that would walk around. Like no one knew me as Lita down there. They're just like, they, and so the locals, yeah. they would be like, when they'd say, Hey, to me, they'd just go machete, you know? And so like, that was my nickname. And so because I was in Nicaragua, when I started my Instagram account, I was machete girl. Would you sharpen your machete yourself? Eventually. But I had a neighbor show me how to do it with a sharpening stone. When I saw him doing it one day, I was I like came home on my bike and I was like, "Ooh, I need this is a skill I need to know. And then I like bellied up and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to learn the skill to sharpen knives because I have a bunch of nice chef knives that certainly need to be sharpened up, but I don't know how to do it. But you're very like hands on with stuff. I mean, for you to learn to sharpen your machete, but weren't you also taking a um, welding? welding? Yeah. What, like what sparked that interest? 
That was like a, I need something to do or I need, I need a bit of routine, but I'm like, but not too much. Like, cause that's called, it's like, that's a job, go get a job, you know? And I was like, no, 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 that's no, 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 it's too much. Um, but so, yeah, it was just at the community college and you just got in there, put your goggles on and um, got in there and tick around. And it was cool because I was the worst because they would use I guess, regular terminology for people that have like anything to reference terms of welding. And, and I'm looking at my notes and I'm showing him to our teacher and he's like, no, not like, like I would have the words written all wrong. Cause I'm just like, I'm just writing the words that you're saying. I don't know what these are, but so, so I was for sure the worst in the, in the <laughs> class and just like burning everything and oxidizing everything. And then Right at the end, I was like, I'll go ahead and say I was probably the best welder in the class by the end. What was the light bulb going off that you like made the switch and got good at it? Patience, practice, and then just um, not telling myself that I'm bad and I don't know what I'm doing, which I would say that for Twitch too, because I'm like, I don't do computers and technology. I don't know how to do it. It's like, well, you are here. You are either don't do it or figure it out. And so I think it was, but that was a little bit more passive. When you asked me, I think that's the first time I thought, how did I become like, go from being the worst in the class? But it was like, stop shitting on yourself. Stop like defeating yourself and saying that you're the worst person in the class that has no idea what you're doing. And it's like, that's what you're here for. Like calm down, no expectations and be patient. What were you making? I'm in San Francisco, like home of like the mass exodus to Burning Man once a year and everything. And so people are like, I'm going to take a welding class because they're just like, I want to make these giant metal angel wings and do this and it'll have flames shooting up. And the first day he was like, so you're not going to make anything cool in here. You need to learn how to do every technique of welding and every technique of welding good before you can make anything cool. You will leave here with this class with a doorstop. <laughs> and he's like, and so we had this, um, it was like an X, um, I don't know, bracket. So we had to do this like plasma cutting where like you like cut metal with fire and then you got like four long pieces of metal and then you made it into an X. So now you had these four reservoirs to just fill with welds. And so we would just do, we would just work on different welding techniques. You just fill it. You just go down, fill it, you know, show it to him. He'd be like, that's oxidized. That has holes in it. You're too hot here. You're, you need to turn up your flame here, go back, do some more passes. And then when it was filled, you could give it a quarter turn, start filling up your next reservoir. So you are a very well-traveled woman. You love to go on trips to anywhere and everywhere. What is your best trip that you've been on? Oh man, that's so I know that that's generic. It's really hard, but I think I would say... And I'm leading up to our Madrid trip. Mm, that wasn't <laughs> in consideration, really. Um, I, Not for me either. Galapagos. I would say the Galapagos. Why? Well, first of all, you're there with a naturalist who just tells you things all day long. About, like, you know how you're just like, oh, I wonder why that happens. And he's just like that, like someone comes in. And, Is that where you saw those, the, the blue oh, guys? Oh, blue-footed boobies. They're there. Yeah. And because um, it is so highly protected, the animals do not give a shit about you. And like you have you're supposed to maintain six foot distance, but like 
I'm going to respect their boundaries as well. But I mean, like they just, they don't. They, so like I'm, we're, we're watching like albatross mating dances. Like you, you just see them fully doing their thing as if you're not there. It's really cool when you can go and like, yeah, really get, it feels like you have like David Attenborough might as well be in the background giving you the rundown of the whole thing. Yes. Which is not what our Madrid trip was like. Sure wasn't. So to provide a little bit of context here, so Amy and I had planned to go to Madrid. This was after we had TV in what, Manchester, London, something like that, whatever yeah, it was. We Europe, were already over Luke. in Europe. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, let's go on a trip. And it was me, you, and your girlfriend. What's her name again? Sarah. It's my normal travel buddy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the three of us. We've got this great trip planned. <laughs> and Charlie Caruso had just started at WWE. Like the day before. Bran. Fucking new. I did not know her at all. But me being like friendly Canadian. I don't know why Canadian goes hand in hand with that. I just that's my crutch and I'm using it as an excuse here. But she was talking to me. She's like, so how do these like European trips work? I'm like, well, what I normally do is like go to go. We're in London, Manchester, whatever. And then I kind of parlay that into another trip. And anyways, um, Amy and I are going to be going to Madrid. And she's like, oh, my God, it's so cool. I go, yeah, I mean, should come if you want. And I threw it out there, <laughs> not not thinking that it was going to go that way. And she was like, OK, I will come. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't. I, this is a stranger. I don't know this person. And I like, that's fine. But then when I had to be like, Amy, I invited another person on our trip that you didn't know at all. I don't think you guys had even met. Uh, So I brought her on the trip with us. And it it was just funny because like the dynamic was so weird. And this is like no shade to Charlie or anything. It was just it was it just threw kind of uh, (laughs) it was was like like. It was a similar like my aversion to like going on a like planned group trip like that, like a a nature expedition that's like in a group. I'm just like, no, thanks. I don't need to go with strangers. (laughs) That story is just always funny to me to think about that, like me panicking, knowing I had to tell you. And I was like, Amy's going to fucking kill me. Well, and then I was like, I'll just tell her no. I was like, and you're like, no, well, we, we do now. Now we do work with her. So that's probably not like the most welcoming to be to like, oh my God. who will be a colleague like down the road. And I was just and like. I, I, so just for people, just for you guys listening, it was just odd because like, yes, we, we didn't really know her at the time. We had just met her. We're staying in an Airbnb. And it was also just like totally different people. Like I can be pretty fluid in situations of like, I'll do what you're doing or I can hop over here. But like, you're a vegan. Sarah is a vegan. You guys are like, you guys had your trip planned out for how you want to do it. Then I'm trying to accommodate another person who is not falling under these same. Well, you know how it is. It could be stressful. Like, okay. I know when I go back to Atlanta, I have a ton of friends there and so, and then I try to group them into like but because some of them just don't overlap yes. and and I love of all of them but like I'm like well I wouldn't invite this group to that that's like the, this group and so it's just it's like not the right match it was just like some satellite activities happening <laughs> anyways we still did it we did the damn thing and we cried at Flamenco. And I was thinking about the oh, other night. Oh, my God. We went to this Flamenco performance. And yeah, you and I both just looked over each other. And we're like in tears watching this beautiful performance with the like the bellowing deep cries that they do in their like musical performance combined with the, the dancing. What a beautiful art form. 
Now those I do have my castanetas, like those are on deck. (laughs) Like I just brought those out on a Twitch stream the other day and just was like, so cool pretending that I could, uh, do it. That well, we really something. thought we could do it for a bit. I mean, we were really throwing down those foot stomps for a while. <laughs> um, yeah. On the walk home and therefore and ever after we we're. Yeah. So that is something just like um, welding and tech and kombucha making that I was like, I, I'm going to, I should be a flamenco dancer. Yes. But, and I, so I went to sign up for a class and I was researching about it and looking about it and, and um. It's so hard, even though we were great after a few cocktails on the walk home. I don't, yeah, I don't know why people seem to say it's so hard, but <laughs> that after three years, you still can't even do it. And I was like, I'm not like going to, I get a degree. Like if I was going to, like if I was going to commit three years to something, Leah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm all about the building blocks and the layers that go into art forms and to actually be good at it. But like, throw me a bone here. Tell me I can do like something by the end. But, you know, you got to think dancing with the stars. They don't do a flamenco like they do a Paso Doble, like they do some like Spanish inspired ones, but they don't because probably because you can't in that short time. I guess so. I mean, it's, it's an intricate dance. No question. I don't know. I still feel like you give me half a bottle of wine and I could still throw down maybe. I mean, I was great on my castanetas the other day on my stream. I don't know. I don't know what people find so hard. (laughs) Yeah, guys, it's obviously fine. Um, Sticking with your musical expertise, looking at your band, how did you get into wanting to dabble into music after you left WWE? So prior to wrestling, I played in a couple of bands and was taking the judo. That was my thing. And then when I saw wrestling, I was like, oh, it's like being like, it's like doing judo and being in a band at the same time. Like the rock star aspect of being in a band. I was like, I could combine these two things at once. And so it was just, um, so I definitely cut uh, music short because you got to go full stop if you're going to, you know, pursue being a professional wrestler. And so when I retired, I was like, oh, I want to, I want to re-explore that. I did not know that you played bass guitar. Not well. I play that because it's only has four strings. So it's easy to not spend like in three years, you could be a killer bass player. (laughs) I've seen Xavier Woods doing it. Have you been seeing him posting it online? He's learning bass guitar right now. And it's like every time he posts, I'm like, dude, you're basically flea at this point. Like you're good. Yeah. It's crazy. I also didn't realize that you were a roadie at one point. Yeah. That was my foray before I learned how to pick up a bass. I was like, Oh, you just get to like, just carry, carry a bass in and you get the best seat in the house. And yeah, I mean, so I was definitely drawn to that pirate lifestyle from a very early age. You have been very much so like very nomadic. You move around, you bop around, you kind of just do your own thing. Uh, what are some of like the staples of structure that you have? Or is there anything that you're like, these are the things that I need and everything else is fluid? I would love to, or, or let's say I would, I would love, I've romanticized heavily about having a schedule with a partner and, and, and more of a kind of structured day to day, which part of it I've had this been forced during the pandemic, but, um, you know, you can't control who's going to come into your life and when, and, and what a partnership looks like or what, you know, it's like, so that 
part I can't control. So what I can control is, well, I don't want to just wait for the right partner to go travel and experience and do these things. I would love to have been able to do that with a partner, but that's not the cards I was dealt. So, um, you know, it's kind of, it's like that rude thing that people be like, when are you going to have a baby? It's like, that's not a solo decision. It can be, but like, like now I'm getting into a really deep in the weeds with a kind of casual stranger. So like not appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to, have a, a partnership or I don't, I'm not, I don't need to get married, but I, I would love a traditional partnership. And that just hasn't been how my life has worked. So in the meantime, I'm like, I don't want to just sit and wait for that. I would like to experience and have as many life experiences as I can. Yeah. And I mean, shit, you've done it. I don't know anybody else that has lived life as fully as you have. I mean, you have done everything. I mean, you've been able to explore all these things that you want to do from professional wrestling to being in a band to picking up welding to traveling around with your dog for 16 years. Like you've been able to go to like every corner of the globe and have all of these amazing experiences. I think that's like a very envious lifestyle. Do you feel like friends get envious of that lifestyle that you have? So this is not meant to alarm you in any way, shape or form. But I have a friend who is not a wrestler, so don't try to speculate on who it is, but um, who has a young a young baby who is not sleeping through the night and is not sleeping for any more than one and a half hours consecutively at any point. And she is like not happy to say the least, like going insane. And, 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 you know, and so, you know, I was checking. It's also not me, you guys, but it's going to be soon. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and I'm talking to, you know, and she's like, it's miserable. No, no, no. I'm terrible. Like, it's better with the second one. Like, I'm not ready to leave my family or commit suicide, but it's one notch above that. Well, those are the things that I keep hearing. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Those are like, those are some things that like when I have this pregnancy insomnia and I wake up and I'm like, what is life going to be like on the other? Like I'm in the honeymoon phase right now. I am pregnant and I am ready for this next chapter, but I'm not in the next chapter. So I can right. like imagine what it's like. I'm like oh, it's going to be great. Me and my baby are going to be best buds. But it's like, no, she might hate me. My friend was like, no, this phase, I know it's, I know it will end because I have the older one and like it, it it's going to be okay. And I was like, well, thanks. Because it does float in my head from time to time that, you know, like, huh, you know, I, I really, I didn't get the experience of, of having a child of my own. And, and, you know, sometimes it does. I'm like, did I, did I miss out on that? Or, or I will just get sad and go, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. And my girlfriend is like, no, you, I would trade places with you. Like you have the best <laughs> life. Don't you for one second think that you didn't make the right decision for you? You know? So yeah, I do think that but, but that's like, that's our ghost ship, right? Whatever path you didn't choose, you're always going to wonder. So that's why my friend was saying that about the path that she didn't choose. And that's why it is natural for me to have those thoughts for the path that I didn't choose. Of course. And I mean, yeah, it, you're totally right where it's like, you know, I tried to kind of split it down the middle a little bit of like, Hey, I'm going to like do all these things, but then I did make time for this, but it's also during a time where I'm like, there's still so many other things that I want to do. And there's a million career things that I want to do, traveling that I want to do that. I mean, you just don't get to do it all. And it's making those decisions and trying to figure it out and then making those decisions, Mm -hmm. not being like, fuck, I wish I did the other thing, which I mean, I guess, but also at that same time, 
I think you can have that feeling one day and then the next day not be having that feeling. It's, you know, well, I think that's you know just life like, in general. You're anyways. like looking for a house and then you buy your house and you love it, but you're just so used to looking at houses. So you just keep looking at them and you're like, but I love these houses. And then it's like, yes. so like you can, you can love those houses, but you're only going to live in like one. <laughs> so it's that like, I can yes. think about or wonder about what my other life is like, but I can also like, but here's the one I'm in, I'm enjoying it. And that's like, you just kind of got to be happy with that. Uh, well, thanks for coming to hang out with me. Oh, also, let's just not throw away the fact that you're going to be guest hosting an episode of this show, pending that you still want to do that. I've strayed away from the podcast thing. It seems like too much of a routine for me, but guesting, just like a small takeover. It's like babysitting. Yeah, Step in yes. for a second and walk away from it. I'm an it. expert. Yeah. I'm like, just godmother, <laughs> like, just sign me up. I will pop in. I will come and be the support when you need it, as long as you don't need that full time. Exactly. No, it's it's truly the best of both worlds. Come in, fuck around for a bit. Here you go. You can have it back now. Not my problem. Um, so that being said, to wrap up the show, um, yes, Amy is going to be guest hosting an episode of the show. You get to do whatever you want on the show. I mean, whether you're going to interview somebody or you're going to whatever you want, you can do whatever you want. You've got like an, an hour or do whatever a time class, you need. A castanetas <laughs> class. No, yes. no, I, I will. I'll play it safe. I'm going to, I haven't decided who I want to interview, but I'll, I'll pick somebody interesting. We'll have fun. Keep with the theme of not having a theme and just yes, and sit back and enjoy. I mean, it's just having a conversation with whoever it is that you feel like having a conversation. That's, that's how I kind of look at it. Who's interesting that I want to have a little chat with. So the world is your oyster. I'm giving you the keys to the castle. Love it. It's not a castle. I'll give you the keys to the loft or the studio apartment. <laughs> That's all I need. Um, all right, guys. So you will be hearing more of Lita. You may know her. Oh, wait, I was going to say that backwards. More of Amy. You may know her as Lita. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. And you guys can catch uh, Amy on another episode of Oral Sessions. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dumb dumb like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. FanDuel, more ways to win. Big thank you to Amy, of course, for joining me on this episode of Oral Sessions. Uh, and yeah, like I said, she's going to be taking over for the next episode. She's going to be the guest host. Uh, I can't wait to see what she does. I can't wait to see who her guest is going to be, what she's going to bring to the table. Um, I mean, she used to have a radio show. She knows what she's doing. She knows the ins and outs of this gig. So she's going to absolutely crush it. But yeah, very, very cool. I love doing these different weeks on oral sessions. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. A little, uh, a little breakup. Break things up a little bit while I'm out on maternity leave. Being a mom learning mom things, changing diapers. I wonder how many diapers I've gone through at this point. Keep in mind, I'm recording this 
well, I've not had the baby. I'm still pregnant. But when you're hearing it, I have had the baby. Wow. Really stuck in some like inception shit there. All right, guys, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. Follow the volume sports on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our YouTube pages, both myself and the volume. We both have them. Uh, Check those out. Like subscribe. Check out the video that goes along with these interviews and uh, get that, you know, the full full 360 of of these interviews. You want to see them. You want to hear them. That's the beauty of Zoom. Beauty of Zoom and the Internet. All right, guys, this has been Oral Sessions. Talk to you next time.